we're going to pick up where we left off. I had lots of uh, interaction after last week, lots of questions. And I won't say that I'm going to break any ground I haven't taught here before, but um, I think it's important ground. I probably need to speak up because I'm feeding back for them trying to get me up. Um, it, well, it's some of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, difficult is probably a fair word. Uh, it's difficult because the, the things that God asked us to do that we, we couldn't do it on our own. When you start trying to do it on your own, it starts getting harder than you can accomplish. Sometimes forgiveness takes a miracle. All right, I'll say it again. Sometimes forgiveness takes a miracle, and sometimes it, uh, a lot of times it takes faith, continuing faith, daily faith. 470 times, 490 times a day faith. Yeah? I'll remind you of that. How many, how many times shall I forgive my brother in a lifetime? No. In a day. In a day. I mean, I've had people that stretch that number. If I'd had a clicker. But I don't think that's the spirit of what the Lord was saying. 490 times a day. Now, there might come a time if you're having to deal with somebody on a 490 time a day basis that they probably uh, don't need a daily input into your life. There's some misunderstood things about forgiveness. So, I saw the looks on your faces. I, I, I drove pretty hard last Wednesday night. If you love God, you, if you, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. I even talked about you can't, you don't have any right to, un, to unforgiveness with your first, second, third, fourth, or sixth wife. There's some things that people think they got the right to. Yes, I picked up right there. <laughs> well, let's read First John chapter two. Uh, by the way, I didn't write the book. If I'd have wrote it, written it, if I had written it, I would have written it different. And if you had written it, you'd have written it different. But we didn't write it. But there's one thing I've learned since Sunday. People have struggled with what the Word says. They have their own idea. I've been telling you, people have their own idea who Jesus is. And man, they'll fight you. Carry the same card in their pocket as I do, and they'll fight you. I'm talking, they got Bible school education, master's degrees and all that. They'll fight you. I don't care. And I, every once in a while I say I don't care and people think I don't, means I don't care about people or I don't care if you come or go. I've never said that. I've been accused of saying that. I, there's one thing about every word I've ever spoken at Mag Church is on tape somewhere and archived. And I said, I even had one here about a week ago. I said, as you said, I said, I'll give you. No, I didn't. I said, I'll wait on you. I, I'll give you as long as you need to find where I said that and send you all the archives and I'll wait on you. I didn't say it. What am I saying all that for? Because people have their own idea about Jesus. 
And they want to customize Jesus. And when you talk about the subject I'm talking, when I talked about last week, I basically talked about that you don't have any uh, racial justification for hating people. You know, and, and a thousand, a thousand other things. I, you know, was you, was you here last week? I don't think I don't think I left any stone unturned. And people think they got some kind of cultural or family or traditional or whatever right to to offenses and what they think about people, and you don't. You don't. You have, you if you're if you're you're his. If you're his, you don't have any right to any of that. Period. You can like it or not like it. You can agree or disagree. The people say, y'all, y'all just don't know. Y'all just don't know what this week has been since Sunday morning. I'm telling you, you do not know. (laughs) Thank you. I was going to say, pray for your preacher, and I ain't kidding. It's all right. I know who I am and where I stand. But it's been quite the week. And I'm going to tell you, people, I... Before I reach, can I, it's a, it's been, um, I think I'm pretty in the know on these things, and it's been enlightening. There's some people I expect it from, other people, when you can lay scripture and things side by side, I think I did that Sunday morning, did I not do that? Side by side. And it's not even a yeah, but situation, and we all know about buts. Sheep follow, goat's butt. Sheep follow, goat's butt. (laughs) But when you can lay it, I mean, in black and white, lay it in front of them, chapter and verse, in context, and they'll say, I don't care what your opinion is. I'll say, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's not my opinion. I don't care what my opinion is either. My opinion, if it's opinions, mine's as good as yours. Well, not really. Mine's better still. But, but you know what I mean. If it was opinion, I'd let you, we'd go on our merry way, and I'd think you're a dummy, and I'm right, and I'd be happy to let you be a dummy and me be right. But I'm not happy with you being a preacher and a dummy and wrong. Well, it's not even that they're a dummy. It's they're blind. And I, I don't want to be too ugly. Well, I actually don't want to be ugly at all. But here's the thing. And people have found out this week, when it comes to the Word of God and what the Word of God says, I won't back up anybody. Not a, not, I mean, not an inch. You can do the, you're just going to have to go home not liking it because this is what the Word says. You're going to have to go to bed. I think I'll probably cause people not to sleep this week. You know, I'm probably not. They'll probably, anyway. But you know what I got to do? Go to First John chapter two and talk about forgiveness. And 70 times seven. And don't have no right to stay mad. So it kind of fits. But really I want to tell you, because there's lots of questions, been lots, and I don't know that there's been any questioning Questions are good. I, questions are when people want to know what the word says. Questions are good. And you know what? And I can even take a skeptic. I can't. I, I don't deal well with a scoffer. 
But I can deal with a skeptic because a skeptic is just skeptical and I can prove it to him. A scoffer can't be pleased. Do you know that? A scoffer can't be pleased. The Bible says in the last days there'll be scoffers. And everybody thinks that's out there. They're already scoffers. Do you know that? When the Bible talks about last days there'll be scoffers, that's in the house. That's in the house. The world's already, if you lost, you're already a scoffer. Hello? Offering's already been taken. That was absolutely free. First John chapter 2. I just want you to know that the word says what it says. And it doesn't matter what we think about it. You get upset with what the word says, take it up with the Lord. He might change his mind. You think, man, why didn't I think of that? God has never one time said that. Why didn't I think of that? He's never got up in the morning and said, boy, I didn't see that coming. Because he's never got up in the morning. Yeah, he's never got up in the morning. Because God that watches Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's never got up in the morning. He's never been caught off guard. He's like, whoa, where'd that come from? First John chapter 2. Y'all needed every bit of that. Verse 9. Let's pick up. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness now, until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light. We talked about abides last week, yes? And there is no cause for stumbling in him. By the way, that word stumbling is, is always translated one or two ways in the word of God. It's either, it's either translated stumbling or offended or fence. And they mean the same thing. It says, some versions say Jesus is the rock of uh, the stumbling stone or the rock of offense. Somebody has to, if, if someone causes, remember that little verse that says, if you cause that one of these little ones to stumble, it can be easily, just as easily translated if you cause one of these little ones to be offended to where they fall away. Same word. I used to have a visual. The first church I pastored had a visual of that verse on the front of the building. Because what does it say about if you cause one of these little, little ones to stumble? It said it would be better that for you that you were not born. He said, he said I will take a, if you, if you cause one of these little ones to fall, he said it would be better to be, have a millstone hung around your neck and thrown into the bottom of the sea. When I pastored in, at Grayson, it was built back in the Depression, and they dug it out a field stone around there, and they had two millstones in the front of the building that were in the mortar. They're about that big around. You, got, you can preach that sermon illustrated. Because we got, we got millstones on hand and a creek across the street. People were good there, mostly. There's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who, verse 11, but he who hates his brother is in darkness. Where are they at? Does it say they might be? Doesn't. It says is in darkness. And walks in darkness. And does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I think that's a fascinating statement. That the darkness has blinded 
his eyes. Now, I'm going to rehash all of last week. Everybody remember last week? And I think the scripture is pretty clear there. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to go further. Okay? Matthew chapter 5. You'll know it as the Sermon on the Mount. Well, I wasn't planning on doing this, but if I read real quick, will you let me read? I was going to start in verse 21, but if you let me do it real quick, I'm going to read uh, verse five, or chapter 5, verse 3, and on. I'll skip through, but I, I want you to hear. Listen to what he says. Jesus speaking. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, talking to us, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those which you hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Here's a big one. Here's a big one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. How do you get mercy? Give mercy. You realize that's just spiritual law? You realize that's just sowing and reaping? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Oh, I want to tell you a story so bad right now, but you don't know them, so it's not as effective. But I had one, I had a person that I've known about mm, 30 years. And they were in a position to be in your life all the time. And they were hard to deal with often they were pretty um, holy and all of that hard to deal with offensive hard to be around caused a lot of people to stumble that's just the truth and here about a year ago a good friend of mine was dealing with this same individual and they come, they come in one day and and, and they literally said, how come nobody shows me any mercy? How come nobody shows me any grace? And so the whole room just went. To which he said, we're here, aren't we? There hadn't been much shown. Why am I telling you, blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. You want, to, you want people to be gracious and merciful to you, be gracious and merciful. That's a promise. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the sons of God. Who will? The peacemakers. Blessed are those which are persecuted for righteousness' sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now skip down. Verse 21, that's where we want to pick up. Then we'll kick in. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder. Jesus is speaking. People that think that when Jesus came and grace and mercy came in, in the fashion through the blood of the, the lamb through the cross, it changed everything, and it did. But God's never changed. And Jesus didn't come. Here's what the church world needs to hear today. Here, here, let me help the church world today. 
Jesus never lowered the bar. Ever. Jesus has never lowered the bar. They think the law is over. If you read just a few verses up, he says, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And Jesus never lowered the bar. He said things like, You've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. That's law, right? Is, is, that still, is that still law? You mean that we still have law? Now, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder, or you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in the danger of judgments. But I say, said, you've heard it said, you shall not murder, but I say that whoever is angry with his brother without cause I'd have wrote in my Bible. I, 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 a friend gave me this fancy, smancy Bible. I mean, you can find it in the dark. And I love this Bible. I wrote in my Bible, wow. Write in your Bible. Whoever is angry with his brother without cause, I wrote, wow. Shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be in danger of hell fire. I'll explain that one here in a minute. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you. Oh, my goodness. Stop now. So y'all going to have to pause. I don't know if we'll get through it all tonight or not again. But I told you, like, you don't have no right to be mad at nobody. I mean, and keep being mad. You got to forgive people. You're going to get mad. You don't have any right to unforgiveness. None. You don't have any right to, to not like people because of where they came from, what their background. You don't have any right to that. The scripture does not give you any right to that. You, you, you just can't. It's not possible. But I, I, I need to talk to you about what Jesus is in red. That Jesus didn't lower the bar, he raises it. And he says, if, you, if, you, if, if anybody has anger against their brother without cause, they're in danger of the judgment. And said, hey, Raka, you're in danger of the council. You fool. Now, that doesn't mean you can't call, uh, God says that there's a fool that said in his heart that there is no God. There's a lot of people think if you call somebody a fool that, you've, that you're going to hell. That's English words. When in this passage, when it's talking about you fool in Greek, it is talking. It is actually making a, a, a judgment about that. They're, 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 it's actually calling them a worthless, insignificant, unredeemable, going to hell. It is actually a position of making a final decision for people. Deciding, it's putting you in charge of their eternal destination. You don't get to do that. That's only God can do that. That's the judge. We get to make a lot of judgments. Some people don't think you get to make any judgments. No, you're going to make some judgments. You better make some judgments. But you don't get to decide who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. And that word raka, that's actually a, an Aramaic word. It's not even Greek. It's Aramaic. And it basically means he never says to his brother you worthless empty-headed blockhead 
And I'm not even being funny. That's actually what it means. It's actually, you worthless moron. Y'all didn't know all that was in there. Y'all are a little quieter tonight. God don't want to hear it. He says, therefore, if you, who is you? You. Who is you? That's how I teach you to read. Therefore, therefore, what is there? Jesus has just said all this stuff. Read it, remember? He says, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I say, if you are angry with your brother without cause. And then he says, therefore. In light of what I just said, if you go to offer your gift at the altar, if who goes to offer, your brother or you? You. Is it up there? Because y'all acting like it ain't up there. Therefore, if you bring a gift to the altar and there, where? At the altar. Remember that your brother has something against you. Now, I want you to read what that says. It doesn't say if you get to the altar and you remember you have something against your brother. Now, he does cover that in a place. And he says if you have have something against your brother, then you go to your brother privately. Hello? Hello? But it says, if you get to the altar, bring a gift to the altar, and you remember that your brother has something against you. Next verse. Leave your gift there before the altar and go, and go your way and be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. So whether it's you, that you, you have something against your brother or your brother has something against you, what's he talking about? If you know it's unsettled. If you know it's unsettled and it's on you because it's unsettled. You ain't hearing me. Y'all wouldn't even have came tonight if y'all known I was going to pick that up. He is literally saying, if you get to the altar to remember that your brother has something against you, and and the reason he's saying that your brother has something against you is because you're unreconciled, you're in a falling out, y'all are all over each other, and you're the one that's causing the gap. Matt, apologize to me, man. You're a dirty dog, I don't care. Apologize to me again. I don't care if you're, you're right, you are. You're right, you are sorry. Oh, yeah, I got to hear, hear that story. Uh, are y'all hearing me? I don't think you're hearing me. It's hard for Mike starting to be mad at anybody, but apologize to me. Sorry, I don't care. Be sorry all day. I still ain't, I, I'm done. I'm trying to get you to picture something. Then you're going to go to church and raise your hands and sing glory be to Jesus. Let the hallelujahs roll. Let me reap my Savior's praises far and wide. For I've opened up towards heaven all the windows of my soul. Now I'm living on the hallelujah side. No, you ain't. You ain't living nowhere near the hallelujah side. Because you got a brother that's trying to reconcile with you and you refuse to do it. You left, you're living him that way. Bible says, leave, your, leave it at the altar, go find it, and, and make it right. And then come back and pick it up. You ain't getting to the hallelujah side until you make it right. That's talking about when you're withholding forgiveness. You know, I, I should have made notes of it today, but I, I, had, I had some notes 
that I may come back with later. You know how many times that the Lord tells you Old Testament and New Testament that, that there's times that he don't want your offering. He says, if, if I don't want burnt sacrifices from you, I'd have asked for it. I read in Jeremiah today, where in Jeremiah chapter 12, what he was saying, he said, he said you're going to bring, you're going to bring your sacrifice to the altar. He said, I don't want it. And that, that sacrifice, you understand under, under, the, under, the, under the sacrificial system, that, that sacrifice was worship. He said, I don't want your worship. See, I'm telling you, this is the book, and this is and this. People don't people don't want to understand. They want they want the book for you, but not for. And they think they got a right to it. The book applies to you too. You know what Jesus is telling us here in Matthew chapter five? The book applies to you. And you and, you, and if you think you got a right to. To, to put your brother in hell and to be mad at him without cause and to come worship me whenever you, when you could have made it right with your brother, but you don't want to. And right now he's talking about his brother. When we turn the page, it's going to get even worse. If you don't like that, you're really not going to like the next page. I'm helping somebody. Man, it's, I, 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 I'm going to make you feel better because I had years of struggle with this stuff. And there's some people I still don't like them. But I, I started to say it last week. I'll say it this week. I'm going to tell you there's people I don't like them, but I'm, they are not going to keep me out of heaven. I am not going to stand before God and, think you, and, and know that I could have made it, but I didn't make it because of them. You think, that's, you think you had a bad day with them before? You said, is it really like that? Yeah, it's really like that. I am not going. I am not going to go to hell over a fourth wife. Heather said, "Who's your fourth wife?" I said, "I don't know yet." <laughs> Spoonful of sugar. That's the medicine. Are y'all hearing me? Well, I'm trying to make it just as plain as I can and make you smile about it. Let them go. There's somebody, some of y'all like Jonah. Y'all remember Jonah? Y'all love that little Bible story. Remember that God, uh, I mean, he, he was, God sent him into Nineveh. And man, they were scoundrels. People in Nineveh were scoundrels. And God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach to them and tell them I'm going to smoke them if they don't repent. And Jonah was like, I ain't going. You can smoke them. So they, they ain't nothing off my things. They don't skin off my nose if you smoke them. I don't like them. I'm talking in everyday English now. I mean, I hate them people. Oh, so what you're telling me, if I don't go and they don't hear the word that, they, that you're going to smoke them? I ain't going. They ain't going. All right. If Jonah's like me, I don't like seafood, fresh or old. And he became seafood. I don't want to eat it, and I don't want to be it. And then, and then you get to be seafood, then you get to be fish puke. You're so rotten that you made the whale sick. This is good Bible teaching. It is. 
You're going to go down there and you're going to preach to your enemies because if you don't, I'm going to kill them all. Send them to hell. Sounds good to me. Y'all know that that's what you would be thinking sometimes. Sounds good to me. Fist bump. But we forgot that he's not willing that any should perish. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If we'd ever get a reality of hell, there's not one person that's ever lived that we would want to be there. And I mean not one person. I mean the lowest bottom of the barrel deserved the electric chair, deserved everything they got on this side. If we knew the realities of an eternal separation from God, we would not want one person to be there. I mean not one person. I mean, not that, that sorry pedophile, that murdering rapist, you wouldn't want him to go. Man, that's, a, that's, something, that's something to say. That's how bad it is. We would not want one person to go there. God, the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I'm going to tell you, any means any. I looked it up, and all means all. And whosoever will means whosoever Call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. I don't like many Facebook memes, but there's one that goes around that says that Paul entered into heaven to the cheers of the martyrs that he sent there. Do you realize that? When Paul came into glory, into the presence of the Lord, he came there to the cheers of the people he murdered. Think of it. And that's true. All of heaven rejoices, the word says, when one sinner comes home. You think you got the right. This is just Bible. This is just Bible. I just told you, if you, if you, you you're holding forgiveness, you're, you, your, your brother's got a problem, you and your brother's got a problem, leave your gift there and go make it right. I say, if you don't like that, turn the page. You ready? Verse 25. Agree with your adversary quickly. He's not talking about your brother now. Agree with your adversary quickly. Now, does that agree? Does that mean that you're right? I agree with you. That's not, no. It means to settle your differences quickly. Now, that's not your brother. That's your adversary. Settle your differences quickly. So he said, he acknowledges, Jesus acknowledges you're going to have differences. He's making it plain. Settle your differences quickly while you are on the way with him. That meant, now think about what he said. Settle your differences quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him. That means don't wait till next week, next month, next year. While you're on the way with him. Settle them quickly. Now there's a reason for it. Lest God's got you back. Lest he deliver you to the judge. You never know. Y'all ever lived in the South? You never know who's got the judge in their pocket. He's telling you, you got an adversary. Work it out in a hurry while you're on the way. He said, because lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer will be thrown in prison. Oh, Matt. I don't know the whole story yet, but it could apply. Went to the party at the county jail. 
I didn't know if I'd ever find a spot in church that that would work. I can sing that one too. I bet people tune in sometimes and think, what? (laughs) Stick with me. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there. Where's there? Till you've paid every last penny. He is telling you, even with your adversary, if you don't settle it quickly, it's going to cost you more than it ever had to or you ever wanted to. I hope y'all learning to read this book the way I read it. I'm, assuredly, I say, assuredly, that means you can take it to the bank or to the bondsman. I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid every, until you've paid the last penny. I mean, they ain't going to catch you no slack. You know what? You know how you could have got some slack was settled with that jerk before you got there. I hope I'm helping somebody. This is 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, via Matthew chapter 5. Yeah? Because that all works together. Oh, there's, I'm going to skip to, uh, through the... Let's pick up at verse 38 just because I want to talk about this one a second. Don't you get tired? Does anybody love people that do, does just enough to get by? Man, anytime I've ever had employees, I, I, people that, you had people that, man, you'd like to fire them, but they do just enough to get by. You've had people work for you. Jean Parker, she's had people work for her because she agreed with me right off the bat. <laughs> you ever had that person? That, they do just enough to keep their job. When it comes to bonus time, you've got them right on the tip of your tongue. You can't wait to give them more money. That's a lie. You're looking at every way you can, man. If I, you give me just one reason. Now, I'm talking to church people right now. Because I'm going to tell you what Jesus said about that. This is parenthetical. What's that mean? It means it has nothing to do with forgiveness. It's just good preaching. And it's in the same sermon, so I'm going to say it too. Jesus says, let me get up here because I don't have the whole book memorized. It says, if you have heard this, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And some of you, if we kept up with that, y'all would all be blind and toothless. <laughs> Why do I want to say maybe that's what happened in Viter? <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all keep in mind, I'm from Arkansas, okay? I'm just trying to... Well, Michelle's from... Well, Jeremy and them are on the second... Past the second set. Is that right? (laughs) No, I'm helping. I'm just just kidding. Oh, Tanya is. He says he's not from me. Wow. Wow. If you say, you've heard it said, y'all notice that sometimes, sometimes we need, we have to laugh our way through it so we can, so we can absorb it. 
Sometimes, sometimes, I'm, sometimes, wow, 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 y'all know. And sometimes we got to laugh our way through it or can none of us take it. He says, you heard it said an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I tell you to resist an evil person. I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you in the right cheek, mm, mm, We're getting a spiritual connotation now because Jesus is by no means telling people to, to get their hind end kicked in, when you're being attacked. He's talking about not reacting to everything that's thrown at you. If anyone wants, you to, wants to see you and take your tunic, let them have your cloak also. If anyone compels you to go one mile, remember what I was talking about just a second ago? Go two. I'm talking about, he's addressing people that just do as little as possible. Don't, he said, if you're, you're mine, you've got to do better than just as little as possible. If they ask, you, ever, you, you know, we've heard, boy, well, they went the extra mile. Boy, I sure like them, they went the extra mile. Bible, if, a, if they ask you to go one mile, go two. You get in real bad trouble with this. You know, he said, if you, you can't know a man if you, unless you've walked a mile in his shoes. Go ahead and walk a mile in his shoes. Then you're a mile away and you have his shoes. <laughs> Y'all stop. Y'all stop. Stop. Just stop. Just, just stop, Okay. Give him what he asks of you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, turn not away. He's talking about going more. That a, that a believer, when you're his, you're more than all that. You're not trying to just get by, do just enough. Not, you're, you're not, that's long-suffering. Long Can I talk about he's talking about? Long, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Sarcasm's not. Long-suffering is. A fruit of the Spirit. Y'all hear me? Oh, and then he came back to it. See, he changed the subject for a little bit too because now he's back. Jesus is back. He says, you have heard that it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. You still think you've got a right to unforgiveness? He didn't, I, I still haven't ran across anywhere where he says any of this was easy. I've heard it said that, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Do you realize, I, I just I said, do you realize 
that he's that he does and has done and does all of this to for us that you when you wasn't his you fought him you cussed him you hated him you rejected him you were rebellious you everything name in vain scoundrel and you know what he kept doing every time he was there he was there he was there you know what he did Gave you that one. You know what he did? Gave you that one. He said, you're making demand on me. You want to sit, you want to make a charge. You want to sue me for a cloak? Here, have my tunic. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you. Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. This is what he's talking about. It's fruit of the Spirit. Well, who's the Spirit? We're being conformed into his image. What's his image? He's telling you what it is. He's telling you what I've done for you, do for others. Because it, it is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret. What God can do. You know what he's wanting you to be? Like him. I may have better understanding tonight on those, four, those verses than I've ever had in my life. At the same time, you're getting better understanding on those verses than you've ever had in, my life, in your life. I've read it. I thought I've understood it. But I may understand it better tonight than I ever have. I understand that he's not a, saying be a doormat. He's saying be like me. You didn't deserve it. They don't deserve it. Do it anyway. If you, went to, if you knew that scoundrel that's made your life hell all your life, if you went the extra mile for him, that they would give their life to God and live for him the rest of their life and be, wouldn't you do it? Wouldn't you do it? You'd do it. You've heard it said, you should love your neighbor, hate your enemies. Anybody can do that. That's natural. That's flesh. That's carnal. But I say, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good. Oh, by the way, when you were lost, you were an enemy of God. The Bible says that. The Bible says, what did he do? Loved his enemy. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. You've heard me quoted a million times. God commended his own love towards us, me. That while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He loved his enemy. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. 
Pray for those despitefully. Oh, what is it? Can I help you with that? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Yeah? That you may be, may be the sons of your Father, which is in heaven. I notice he, say, he says that you may be like the sons of the Father. Well, who is Jesus? The Son. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He, he sends rains on the just and the unjust. Most of the time, how many times have I heard that quoted? How many of you have said it? It rains on the just and the unjust. You know, and I come to think of it, most of the time where it's when you, you're going through hell. You say, well, it rains. On, why is it happening to me? Well, it rains on the just. That's not what he's saying. He's saying I, he sends sunshine on the good and the bad, and he sends the rain on the good and the bad. He's, not, he's talking about, you've got to have rain. You've got sunshine and rain, you can get a crop. He's not talking about storms of life. He's talking about I give the good sunshine and the good rain to the evil and the, and the good. I do both. People don't realize that every day of their life. They're people that eat because the fields produced that hate God. He sent the sunshine on the rain, on the just and the unjust. He fed them all. The breath in their lungs belonged to him. He feeds them. He, he gave them the sun and he gave them the good and the evil, the sunshine. He gave the good and the evil. It says, it says he sends the and sends the rain, sends the rain on the, on the, you ever been long enough and dry enough when you, everything was burning up? Of course, I don't know if it's, it hadn't quit raining in South Texas in four years since I've been here. But I come from a place that gets pretty crunchy and people are out praying for, they having prayer meetings to pray for rain. You know why? They're praying for him to send the rain. For if you love the, here we're up, 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 up. Back to verse 46. Are you there? For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? I think he's saying big deal. Do even the tax collectors do that? By the way, the tax collectors were the most scorned, hated people in all of that culture. Man, it's not much different. Anybody say, man... That, the IRS guy come by today. We had a great talk. <laughs> One of my best friends is an IRS agent. It must pay good. No. What, what? They hated the tax collectors. Even that, they said, love, for you, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? I'll tell you something. You can't, I'm always saying, I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you something. You can't pastor effectively if you can't love people that are tough to love. You can't do it. It's not possible. I know lots of preachers, they wall up and put a wall of fence around them themselves and trying to protect themselves, their ministry fails. It's not possible to pastor, to minister at all. You're a minister. It's not possible to minister without being vulnerable. And people that you help the most will cut your throat. It's amazing how often that's the case. 
And they'll walk out and call you everything they can think of. That happens. And then if the world, if everything goes right, they come back. And they walk in like it never happens. And you know what you do? You throw your arms around them and you hug their neck and tell them you're glad to see them. If you can't do that, you don't need to be in the pulpit. If you can't do that, you don't have any business in ministry. Because that's what he's asking, and that's what he's done. That's why I love that. We sing it every once in a while. Uh, Thank you for the things I cannot see. Remember? Shelter in the time of storm. Uh, Shields surrounding me. Thank you for the thing. the you provide this line I know you could have walked away but you stayed a thousand times amazing grace how sweet the sound I once was lost but now I'm found a hopeless case an empty place if not for grace If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more for than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father is in heaven. It's perfect. It's talking about mature and fulfilled. But I say to you, verse 44, who's speaking? If Jesus walked in tonight and spoke to you, would you do it? Jesus walked in, and this is what he says. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good for those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I won't even go to the places where he says, when the disciple says, Rabbi, tell me, how many times shall I forgive my brother in a day? Seven times? Eh, that seems reasonable. Seven times in a day? I mean, I'd run out of patience in seven times. I always said, I'll say 70 times seven. I was here this morning about five, ten after five, something like that. Started walking these halls, praying these hallways up and down there, and I found myself praying for people I didn't really want to pray for. I would have rather prayed smoke on God like Jonah. Back, oh, Jonah, go, go, go preach to him. So that they repent. He didn't want to. We get all, we think that's a great story, but you didn't want to either. And Jonah, after he got, after he became fish puke, he decided he'd go. And he preached to them. And lo and behold, they repented. And it made Jonah furious. Only that, a whole, whole town repented. That's a preacher's dream. 
They're going to make the Pentecostal Evangel and Charisma News and be on CBN and, you know, Facebook articles. Not Jonah. He's mad. God, and God said, you don't know, do you know how good I am to you? It's in there. Old bald-headed Jonah sat down pouting. And God caused a big bush to grow right quick and cover up his, get his head from scorching out the sun. Man, I didn't used to know anything about that until about two years ago. People always wearing hats, and my daddy was bald, and people wearing hats, and you know that, and I didn't know anything about that. And I didn't know I was getting thin until I went to the to the beach with the with the youth about two years ago, and, and I touched my head one night, and I thought, I actually got in the shower, and I thought, ah! What was that? And that's what it was. That's when I found out it was. Jonah sat down. God grew up a plant real quick, covered the scorching sun off his head, got him some relief. About the time he got comfortable, he sent, he sent along a cutworm, cut the thing down. Said, see, I could give it to you, I could take it away. Mad over people repenting. God's people have always struggled. What am I trying to tell you? God's people have always struggled. When they think, that's why that we didn't write the book and we don't get to decide the rules and we got to give so we can get. Real quick, because Katrina's going to turn 40 before I can get done. When you pray, this is chapter 6, verse 5. When you pray, you should not be like, be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray in the standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets, and they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say that they have their reward. But when you go pray, go to your room and shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in, secret, in the secret place. I wrote in my Bible, Psalm 91. Go shut the door. Shut yourself in the closet. Go, sit, go talk to your father in private in the secret place. Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my something, my God in whom will I trust. Go in the secret place. And your father which sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions. As the heathen do, for when, for they have so for they think they have been heard for their many words. Therefore, do not do not be like them, for your father knows the things which you have need of before you ask. In this manner, I ask you to pray, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, here it is. And forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sin. What's that next word? You've never heard it before. I doubt it. I bet you never took time. You're praying. Forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. 
Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You're praying that you're forgiven in accordance to how you forgive. You are praying it. You passed over it. You're not even paying attention to what you're praying. You've never noticed it before. Forgive us our sin, our debt, our trespasses as we forgive those. It doesn't say after or before. It says as you're doing it. Father, forgive me my sins in the same manner at the same time as I forgive those who trespass against us. Did you ever see it before? Have you ever noticed it before? Have you ever understood it before? Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who've sinned against me. And to reinstate that, He's going to say it again here in a second. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And if you forgive, there immediately. And if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses as. Forgive us our trespasses as. We forgive those that trespass against us. We won't even talk about fasting tonight. We're talking about forgiveness tonight. We're going back all the way to last week when I said, I don't care who you are. You can't say you love God and hate your brother. It is not possible. And you have no right to that offense. You have no right to that hatred. You have no right to want them in hell. You don't have that right. And you don't want them there. If you, if you, if you want somebody in hell, you don't have any idea what hell is. Sometimes it is 70 times 7. And you're right. Some people are absolutely you were absolutely, unbelievably, horrifically even wronged. I think about people that, that somebody snatched their, their innocent kid and, and done terrible things and maybe killed, and that they said, I forgive them. And you can tell by their countenance that they mean it. They can't do that. There's no way they can do that in their natural self. That is only the grace of God. The grace, remember, is God doing in you. The power of God working in you, doing what you can't do yourself. You're right. You can't forgive them without him. And your natural ability, you don't have it. it sometimes, I, I'm not going to pay the big wide swath here, but it's a pretty big one. Sometimes the reason that you're continually struggling with forgiveness for years is because you're trying to do it yourself. And you're not keeping in mind that, that any more than you can save yourself, can you forgive them yourself? You don't have the ability. You don't have the power. But His grace is working in you. When you forgive. Go back and read that Sermon on the Mount like you've never, look and see it in a light you've never seen it before where He is telling you, when they offer you the cheat, give them the other one. When they offer you, when they, he's saying, do for them what I've done for you.
No, you don't. Y'all know that there are real situations where people are evil. And they've done horrendous. We could even call them atrocities to people. You say, you mean God expects me to forgive them? Yes. Yes, he does. I'll wrap it up real quick. I actually had, I think I've told the story before, and that's okay. If you've ever read The Hiding Place or A Tramp for the Lord, you've read the story. Anybody ever, you know about Corey Ten Boom? I love, when I love, I love, I love this account. If you've never read anything by Corey Ten Boom, if you've never read The Hiding Place or Tramp for the Lord, you need to. First, read The Hiding Place first. But when Heather and I were on our way back from uh, West Africa a few months ago, I finally had the time in Amsterdam and was able to get the pass. I, could, yeah, I would always either have one or the other, no time or the, could get the pass or got the pass but couldn't get the time. I actually, had, it was a bucket list for me for 30 years. Ever since I've read Corey Ten Boom's story that if I was ever in Amsterdam that I would go to the house and see these things. But Corey Ten Boom was a, they were Christians in Holland and, and just outside of Amsterdam, Harlem, the Netherlands. And when the Nazi regime began to roll across Europe and conquer country after country after country and the Jews began to flee for their life, the, the Tim Boom family had prayed for the peace of Jerusalem and the Jews for decades before the war even began to happen. And when the, people, when the Jews began to flee and the concentration camps began to open and, and the Jews were being killed by the millions, the Ten Boom family created a false wall in Corey's bedroom and, and it's quite impressive. And they sheltered over 600 Jews in transit out of the country until someone betrayed them. And the Jews were never caught, but the Ten Boom family was. And they were thrown into concentration camps. Ravensbrück was among them. And of course, there were, they were in their 50s when this happened. Two sisters that were never married, very modest people. Very modest people. And she said, part of the hardest atrocities of the entire thing Part of the hardest thing I ever dealt with was first how they treated my sister. I mean, the whole thing was horrendous, but you know, her dad was dead within days. Her sister was sickly, but they stuck together and I, you can't go through the whole story, but you know, and, they, and they, she was the only survivor in their family and she was only released on a typographical error two days before she was to be killed in the gas chambers, but she was released on an error but she's writing her book, and at the end of one of her books, when she's telling the story, I'm just giving you, I'm not even, this is just so you know what happened. She said, when we got off the train and they herded us like cattle, and she said, they brought all, me and my sister in front of hundreds and hundreds of people and men everywhere and stripped us naked and paraded us around naked, very 
modest people. She said, of all the things I went through, the hardest thing that I dealt with was them putting me in front of hundreds and hundreds of people and stripping me naked and putting me in line and shaving my head and having me stand in front of men, soldiers, for hours that way, naked. Years later, she survived, and she, she literally, that second book's called Tramp for the Lord because she tramped all over the world. She told her story of forgiveness, grace, and mercy like very few people ever have. But she tells a story at the end of her book where she was in a conference, a large conference in the United States, a large room, large hotel banquet, and she was preaching on the love of God and his forgiveness. And she would always say, no well, no pit is so deep that God's love is not deeper still. She said, I was in the middle of that sentence when I saw the back door open and I saw him. She said, I knew who he was 40 years later. I knew 30 years later. I knew who he was when he walked in. She said, it, she said I don't know how he was there. I don't know how he escaped the war trials. I don't know. She said, but when he walked in the door, I knew who he was. It was the very man that jerked my clothes off and Betsy's clothes off and stripped me naked in front of the world. And she said, and hate filled my heart. She said, I've been preaching all over the world with no, with no, I was not haunted by what we would call PTSD. I was not, I didn't, God gave me great grace. And when I, but when I saw him walk in, she said, I felt myself go cold. And I knew, she said, I knew who he was. And said, at the end of the, my message, I saw him coming up the aisle. And she thought, I thought, God, no. God, no. God, no. I can't do it. So when he got to her podium, she was standing beside it. Said that it was him. And he said in that thick German accent, he was talking about the forgiveness of God and the atrocities. He said, I've been, a, I've been a horrible man. He didn't know. He knew what he had done, but he didn't know he'd done it to her. But she knew. And he said, thank you for this message of forgiveness. He said, please forgive me for who I've been. And he stretched his hand out to shake her hand. And she said, I just looked at it. And she's saying, God, I can't do it. And in her heart, she knew that she had no right. She said, I didn't feel warm. I didn't feel love. I hated him in my heart. But I willed myself to stick my hand out and put my hand in his and to tell him I forgive him. She says, when my hand touched his hand, she said, it was like warm oil began to pour over me from heaven. She said, my soul flooded with the love of God like I'd never felt like in my life. And when my hand touched his, what I'd done mechanically in obedience, she said it was just a will of obedience that by the time my hand touched his hand, I meant what I was saying. She said there was no way 
after all these years that I was going to go back into that concentration camp in my mind. There was no way I was going to let him do it to me again. There was no way I was going to let that man stand between me and God. What am I telling you, church? We just don't hold those cards. We just don't have the right. And there's no way, Corey Ten Boom, me or you or anybody else under those circumstances could say, I forgive you. And it be more than empty words that you mean it. That's the grace of God. And thank, thank God that man wanted forgiveness. But here's the thing. Forgiveness is for you. It's not for them. There's some people that's never going to ask you to forgive. They don't even care that you're hurt. And if they knew you were hurt, they would be thrilled that, that you, they would love to know years later they were living rent-free in your head. That would make their day. And they don't deserve forgiveness. But it's not for them. It's for you. I heard one preacher say, and it's so good. He said, unforgiveness. He said, unforgiveness? He said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting them to die. He said, it's not killing them. It's killing you. It's killing you. I've had some real hurt in my life. I'm sure everybody has. But I've had some. And it, it would be real easy to hate some people. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope. They don't, get to, they don't get that spot. And if I'm going to be like him, well, to be like him, you got to be like him. And he'll help you. Yeah, it's hard. Ain't nobody, anybody stands in front of you and says it's not hard. They're lying. It's hard. But he'll give you the grace. You can't do it. You can't do it any more than you could quit sinning, any more than you could, whatever you were doing, whatever you were doing before you got saved that you couldn't stop. You can't do this any more than you could do that. But when he saved you, now you can. You can. You can. Father, we just love you. Lord, through the laughter and the silliness and the, and the tears, you're good to us. You teach us your word. You enlighten our heart. You change who we are by the washing of the water of the word. Couldn't do it without you. It's all impossible without you. But Lord, I thank you tonight that you've opened the eyes of our understanding by the power of your spirit. Whether we laughed about it or cried about it, you helped us understand. Lord, I for one am grateful that I can stand with a clean heart that says, I forgive. Even when it's hard. And Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. As we're closing, 
the one thing I want to say at the end of all of it is forgiveness doesn't mean a restored relationship always. I don't, I'll just go back to Corey Tim Boom. They didn't tour together from that day on. Didn't have parties at each other's houses. There's people that don't get their spot back in your life. There's a mistake people make sometimes that forgiveness means, forgiveness means that they get to come back right to the place where they were. No, forgiveness means that you set them free and you've set yourself free. And, you've let, and, you've set, and they're set free for God to deal with. And you're not bound with it anymore. Sometimes, if, God, if the relationship can be restored by some miracle, then praise God. But it's not required. And the deeper, somebody needs to hear this. It's just like getting a paper cut or having open heart surgery. Some things hurt, they break the skin. But the, the bigger the wound, the longer it takes to heal sometimes and the bigger the scar. Some scars show more, they're deeper and they take longer. And they're ugly. Some people have ugly scars of unforgiveness. But when they're healed, they're strong. After time, they don't hurt anymore. You know, my, how many go, how many love that paper cut? No, I hate it. But you know it's going to be over pretty quick. But when somebody cuts you to the core, you forgive and it may close. But... But don't open it back up. Let it heal. And eventually, it won't be painful anymore. The scar may be ugly and visible the rest of your life, but it's no longer going to hurt and you're not going to die from the wound. If you keep opening it up, you're going to die from the wound. He's helped us tonight. I'm confident that we're, that we're going to leave here better than we came in. In Jesus' name.